This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hi. Before we get into the podcast today, I'd like to make an announcement. I've officially joined the Headstuff Podcast Network, a network home to a number of excellent podcasts. Now, if you enjoy something strange, nothing will change. Something Strange will remain the same, and, as always, it will be completely free. However, as part of joining Headstuff Podcasts, I have now started a second show. It's called Strange Tales, and it covers lesser-known tales that cover every aspect of the weird. To listen to Strange Tales, please check out headstuffpodcast.com, and please consider becoming a member for as little as €5 a month. Strange Tales is also a bi-monthly podcast, So if you're looking for a weekly helping of all things bizarre, please consider supporting me at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank you for your time, and on with the show. In 1975, a young German girl would find herself at the mercy of powers beyond her understanding, and claimed to have been possessed by demons including Lucifer and Hitler. What followed was a total of 67 brutal exorcisms that led to a tragic, tragic end. This is something strange. The Exorcism of Annalise Michel. Luke 8.26.39 Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. The concept of demonic possession has existed in various cultures throughout history. The idea of evil spirits or demons taking control of human beings and causing them harm can be found in many ancient religious and cultural traditions. One of the oldest recorded cases of demonic possession comes from the ancient Mesopotamia, where people believed in a variety of malevolent spirits that could possess and control human beings. The exorcism rituals in these cultures often involved chanting, incantations, and the use of various objects to drive out spirits. Ancient Egyptian texts mention demonic possession, but it was not as prominent as it was in other cultures 
The Egyptians believed in the existence of both benevolent and malevolent spirits, and they taught that possession could be caused by an influence of these spirits. In ancient Greece and Rome, people believed in various gods and goddesses who could possess individuals. The Greeks also believed in various spirits or diamonds that could possess people and cause illnesses or mental disturbances. The Romans had similar beliefs and their exorcism rituals involved the use of various herbs and potions. With the rise of Christianity, the concept of demonic possession took a new meaning. The Christian Bible mentions many cases of demonic possession, and the New Testament describes Jesus and his disciples casting out demons from possessed individuals. Christian exorcism rituals involve prayer, the use of holy water, and the reciting of religious texts. In Islamic tradition, possession is believed to be caused by jinn, supernatural creatures that are mentioned in the Quran. Islamic exorcism rituals involve the reciting of the Quran and the use of various herbs and oils. The belief in demonic possession persists to this day, and there are still people who seek out exorcisms to rid themselves of evil spirits. The following is an excerpt taken from the book An Exorcist Explains the Demonic, The Antics of Satan and His Army of Fallen Angels by Gabriel Amort, Catholic priest and exorcist who claimed to have conducted tens of thousands of exorcisms. Without a doubt, diabolical possession, the invincible influence of the devil on a person, is the most striking and serious form of the extraordinary action of the devil. When the demon is able to take possession of a person, he can make him say and do what he wishes. It is necessary to clarify that the devil is not able to take possession of the soul of a man unless the person expressly consents to it, but only his body. Nevertheless, I must say that the cases of valid and true possession are rare. Cases of vexation, obsession, and infestation are more frequent. Born in Leibelfing, Bavaria, West Germany, on September 21, 1952, Annelise Michel was raised in a Roman Catholic family alongside her three sisters. Life was simple for Annelise during her early childhood. Despite being a rebellious youngster, Annelise and her family attended Mass twice a week, and their belief in a higher power that had a plan for them was the focal point of their lives. In fact, since she was a little girl, it was Annelise's dream to eventually become a catechist, which is someone who teaches others about the principles of the Christian religion. In 1968, when she was 16, Annalise's life would change dramatically, as it was at this age where she would begin to experience convulsions. The convulsions came on quickly, and they were violent and frightening for her and her family to witness. Her parents brought her to a hospital to try and figure out what was happening, 
and after a number of different tests, Annalise was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Temporal lobe epilepsy affects the temporal lobe of the brain. The temporal lobes are located on either side of the brain near the temples. They are responsible for processing sensory input, storing memories, and regulating emotions. The condition is characterized by recurrent attacks that often cause disturbance of consciousness, hallucinations, deja vu feelings, numbness of the body, seeing flashes of light, and mood disturbances. Annalise would recall to her friends that she would often wake up with a feeling as if someone was on top of her, pressing her down into her bed. Additionally, Annalise would claim that she could smell a putrid stench of unknown origin, a smell nobody else could detect. By 1970, after two long years of living with these terrifying convulsions and symptoms, Annalise had her first full seizure. This took place in Mittelberg Hospital, where Annalise initially went due to her being struck down with tuberculosis. After returning home with the knowledge that her condition had now worsened, her health began to take a dramatic turn. Annalise first noticed this when she was attending school in Aschaffenburg. While she was in class, the teacher asked her a question. To Annalise's shock, she found that she couldn't speak. Her mouth had tightened up and she couldn't move it properly to produce any words. This was followed by other issues, including having issues standing upright without falling over. This led to Annalise using chairs walls, tables, or whatever was near her to hold onto in order to stop herself from falling onto the ground. This sudden inability to support her own weight was also followed by a deep bout of depression, leading to Annalise to consider taking her own life. Then, just as Annalise and her family were hitting their breaking point, the disturbing incidents continued and got much, much worse. Her mother recalled that when Annalise sat down one night to have dinner, she was horrified to see that the child's hands had allegedly swollen up to twice their size, something Annalise didn't even realize until her mother pointed it out. Spiraling into a panic attack at the sight of her own hideously bloated hands, to Annalise's parents, there was only one explanation. This is when Annalise's family were convinced that she was possessed by some kind of demonic force. When possession is manifested, the obsessed goes into a trance and loses consciousness, leaving space for the evil spirit to speak, to agitate the person, to curse, to vomit nails, glass, or other objects, and to demonstrate Herculean strength, in brief, to take over. On this subject, Father Candido told me of the case of a young girl, an extremely thin and apparently weak demoniac who, during the exorcisms, 
had to be tied with leather straps and held firm with difficulty by four very energetic men. Well, she managed to break the straps with which they attempted to tie her, causing them much trouble until the end of the rite. It also happened to me a decade ago, a very thin young girl, she could not have been more than 13 years old, accompanied by her mother and her mother's friends, received incredible strength from the devil during an exorcism. It took all seven of my guardian angels, the persons who accompany me with prayer, to hold her firm. During these crises, the manifestation of abnormal phenomena occurs at intervals, but not continuously. The subject will lose consciousness all of a sudden. But at other moments of the day, the subject will appear normal. The possession is seldom permanent. More often, the crises are provoked by external motives. For example, during a situation of spiritual stress, such as the exorcism itself, the mass, benediction, prayer, or even the simple introduction of a sacred object. At other times, it goes off without apparent cause. The acts when, how, and where he wishes during the day, at night, or even in a public situation so that all can see in these cases, its will is acting through the spiritual power of its angelic nature. Nothing in these cases is ascribable to the victim of the possession. Then, the true horror began. As this is when Annalise would begin to see the faces, demonic and ghastly faces that would appear in random places without warning or reason on walls, on her family members' own faces, in the darkness of her bedroom, to appearing on a mirror, looking right back at her. These faces would be brief, but they shook Annalise to her very core. They were ugly and contorted beast-like creatures, and they made every day, every hour, every minute pure torture to live through. By 1973, Annalise was not the carefree girl everyone knew before. Now she was withdrawn as she was tormented daily by convulsions, seizures, horrific visions of demons, voices in her head that taunted her that she would rot in hell which ultimately led Annalise to have a growing disdain for all religious objects, such as crucifixes. This is when Father Renz and Pastor Alt first came into the picture, two men who would play a pivotal role in how Annalise's story ultimately unfolded. They would begin attending a prayer group that Annalise was a part of, as many had told them that they needed to see the girl in person, the girl who was rumored to be possessed. Upon attending the prayer group meetings, the priests were struck by the fact that the girl spoke in a guttural, deep and masculine voice. During these moments, they witnessed Annalise show great strength, make blasphemous remarks and insult anyone who she came into contact with. As time went on, things only got worse for Annalise, as this is when she began to experience physical attacks. These attacks would happen with Annalise claiming that an unseen force kept pushing her to the ground. However, 
This pushing was fast and incredibly vicious and often led to Annalise being injured across her face, hands and legs. On multiple occasions, she and her family would claim that upon trying to get back onto her feet, the unseen force would once again hurl her to the ground angrily. This resulted in her grief-ridden mother covering the ground with duvets, pillows, blankets and anything soft she could find in an attempt to break Annalise's fall from this unrelenting force. All Annalise could do at these times is to pray to Hail Mary again and again and again in the hopes that her prayers would be finally answered. These incidents of Annalise being thrown to the ground happened mostly at night, where she was allegedly pulled from her bed and thrown to the ground. In fact, this happened with such an alarming regularity that Annalise would begin to sleep on the floor in the hopes to get some kind of sleep. She would do this for three years. At this point, Annalise's mother had simply seen her daughter endure far too much. And completely believing it to be the work of a demonic entity, sought out an exorcist to drive the demon from the child's body. This role would be taken by the aforementioned Father Renz and Pastor Alt, who at this point had witnessed much of the activity that was centered entirely around Annalise. In the Catholic Church, an exorcism must be granted by the Church itself, as a priest cannot conduct one at will. Annalise's exorcism was officially approved by Bishop Joseph Stangl, but he ordered Father Renz to conduct it in complete secrecy. It is useful to know that there are also multiple possessions. Many spirits can be seen acting in a person contemporaneously. There was, for example, the case of Joanne, a woman of 30 married with children. She fainted often and had severe headaches without apparent medical causes. In the course of various encounters, it was revealed that she was possessed by three demons who had entered through three spells, one of which was from a woman who aspired to have Joanne's fiancé before Joanne married him. The first two demons exited quickly and the third with more difficulty, but in the end we made it. It was a family of faith. For this reason, I believe, liberating Joanne was relatively simple. There are cases, as in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus was found with the demoniac, possessed by a legion of devils. This term, typical of the Roman military organization, suggests a reality that we exorcists often confront. When the possession is multiple, it has to do with spirits that are organized hierarchically, precisely like a military body. There are chiefs, deputy chiefs, and simple soldiers. Each one is provided with a different authority. Little by little, as the exorcism proceeds, the spirits with the least authority, the weaker spirits, abandon the field. The victory, the complete liberation, is accomplished after the defeat of the supreme head of the legion, the most powerful and overbearing, the last to leave the ship, the one of whom the other demons have a true and proper terror. Working closely together, 
Father Renz and Pastor Alt would conduct a total of 67 exorcisms on Annalise. Conducting the exorcism in Klingenberg, they were long, drawn out, and absolutely brutal. During the first exorcism, Father Renz directly asked the alleged demonic entity to reveal its name. To the shock of everyone present, it did not reveal one name, but rather it revealed six. According to the high-pitched and distorted voice that emanated from Annalise's body, the names it revealed were as follows. Valentin Fleischmann, a disgraced priest who was excommunicated due to his drunken behavior. Fleischmann was also accused of both assault and murder. He died in 1575. Cain, the son of Adam and Eve from the Old Testament. Cain became jealous of God's acceptance of his brother's Abel's gifts, but not his own. In the Bible, Cain murdered Abel, and he was marked for life and banished to roam the earth. Nero, the Roman emperor who was known far and wide for his cruelty and barbarism, which included burning down his own capital, persecuting Christians, and murdering many of his own family, including his own mother. After the rebellion of 68 AD, Nero fled to Rome and shortly after took his own life. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ mentioned in the New Testament. Judas betrayed Jesus, which led to his arrest, trial, and brutal crucifixion. For his deed, he was paid 30 pieces of silver. He died between 30 and 33 AD. There are many versions of how Judas met his end, from him hanging himself from a tree to him being the victim of the wrath of God, with his body being freakishly bloated and full of worms and pus. Adolf Hitler, the leader of the Nazi party that rose to power in Germany in 1933 and, by 1945, would oversee the systematic extermination of over 6 million Jews during World War II. He died in 1945 from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And finally, Lucifer, the biblical fallen angel who's the embodiment of all things evil, or known by its more widely used name, Satan. Annalise claimed to have been able to physically see this legion of demons in the same room as herself and the priests, grotesquely dancing, flailing and jumping around in a way to mock the priests that were conducting the exorcisms. Between exorcisms, Annalise was constantly tormented and her family would find her engaging in disturbing acts like ripping her clothes off violently attacking her siblings, trying to eat stones and coal, consuming her own urine, 
and even eating handfuls of spiders and flies from the corners of rooms and windows. Whatever was happening to Annalise, she was physically and mentally in a state of complete freefall, and things were only getting worse, as this is when Annalise began to refuse food. Many hours of the 67 exorcisms were recorded, and on these tapes, Annalise can be heard screaming in pain, getting into physical altercations with Father Renz and Pastor Alt, and speaking in a disturbing and guttural voice. The following is an edited clip from the tapes of the exorcisms of Annalise Michelle. Please note, all recordings are in German. Jesus, you're very 
Father Renz and Pastor Alt claim to have driven out the demons one by one, with the last being Lucifer, the leader of the Legion. During the final exorcism, Annalise said, Mama, stay with me, I am afraid. After 67 exorcisms that spanned over a year, on the morning of June 30th, 1976, at 8 a.m., Annalise's mother entered her room to find her 23-year-old daughter dead. A doctor was called to the home to issue a death certificate, but upon examining the body of Annalise, he refused on the grounds that he had suspicions about the manner of her death. At her death, Annalise weighed a mere 68 pounds, or 30 kilograms. The autopsy would reveal a ghastly picture of the state of Annalise's body. Her teeth were broken and shattered. She had two black eyes. Her arms, leg and torso were heavily bruised and she had broken two knees. The cause of her death was extreme dehydration and malnutrition. But there was also very clear evidence that whether she did it herself or someone did it to her, she was suffering injuries that would suggest she was beaten severely. In the days leading up to her death, photos were taken during the exorcism by her mother and both Father Renz and Pastor Alt. The photos are chilling and show what was once a bright-eyed and happy young girl with her life ahead of her reduced to a person on the brink of a horrific death. Through all 67 exorcisms, no medical intervention was requested by Father Renz, Pastor Alt, Annalise's mother or father, or any adult who was present. When signs appear that could be considered the results of an evil spell, my first advice always is to address the concerns to a psychiatrist. When one is ill, the first thought should be of natural causes that can be treated with traditional medicine. In fact, only rarely does an illness have a diabolical origin. Normally, one should have recourse to an exorcist only as a second response. I say this for the benefit of persons who are very impressionable. I myself do not accept anyone, except in clear cases, if I do not first have a psychiatric diagnosis. In the wake of Annalise's death, her parents and both Father Renz and Pastor Alt were prosecuted. Her parents were defended by defense attorney Eric Schmidty Lichner, who had previous notoriety for being the defense counsel on the Nuremberg trials and also the Frankfurt homosexual trials. On March 30th, 1978, the case went to trial, 
and would eventually lead to Annalise's parents and both Father Renz and Pastor Alt being charged with negligent homicide. They were all given a suspended sentence and were required to pay for their own legal proceedings. In the years following the case of Annalise Michel, German bishops retracted the claim that she was possessed. Joseph Stangl, the bishop who approved the exorcism, claimed he was not aware of Annalise's mental health issues at the time, and if he was, he wouldn't have approved it. Neither Father Renz, Pastor Alt, or Annalise's mother or father had any regrets about what happened to Annalise, as, ultimately, they felt they succeeded in ridding her body of the legion that dwelled within her, even if that meant losing Annalise in the process. Was Annalise Michel possessed and tormented by six powerful demonic beings? Or was she an innocent victim of belief gone too far and a sad casualty of someone not being protected by the very people who should have been there for her, but weren't? This has been Something Strange. Thank you for listening to Something Strange. Please consider following Something Strange on Twitter, which is at a strange pod. We're also on both Instagram and TikTok at Something Strange Pod. Or perhaps if you'd like to email me directly, you can contact me at somethingstrangepod at gmail.com. Something Strange is written, produced, and performed by me, Dennis Murphy. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.